Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar and of course in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes. Um, they are a mystery German uh, football shirt provider that provides uh, authentic t-shirts from around the German national leagues. Um, some fantastic shirts on offer. Uh, if you haven't seen them before or seen me and Mark sporting them, uh, make sure you check them out. They're on Twitter or go check them out on their new website. I'm not sporting one this evening, but there's a very good chance you can get Dortmund Tops in their packages. They've got everything, um, so make sure you do check them out. A brilliant partnership that we're working with them this year. Um, as you'll have noticed, the man to my right this evening is not Mark. Um, so very, um, very happy to be ple- uh, to be joined by Adam Smith. Um, Kind of a star, star, you know, almost, almost the uh, best host these days. He's the Smith is on a good few shows now. So yeah, Smith stepped in for uh, for Mark, who's again on his jollies. So yeah, Smithy, thank you very much for for stepping in. Uh, we'll be Pleasure. yeah, we'll be cracking on with some Bundesliga action. Not only have we got Smithy on board tonight, we've got our first uh, proper guest. Um, of the season, of certainly of the review shows. Um, so I'm very excited to welcome in um, John, who's a Freiburg fan and tactician. So we'll get John in in a moment. Uh, but let's crack on straight away then. Um, of course, no Mark, so no Mark's mystery anagram this evening. So we'll move that on to next week when he's back and we'll go through the results of that. Um, I think Smithy's cat agrees with uh, everything that's going on at the moment. As well. Certainly does. Um, <laughs> perfect. So just looking at the scores on the doors from the weekend. So we start off uh, with Leverkusen's thrilling, um, well, defeat in the end, a seven-goal thriller with Dortmund, uh, losing 4-3 there. Union, nil, Augsburg, nil, and a stalemate. Also, Saturday afternoon saw Freiburg drawing with FC Köln, which we'll be covering in detail with John shortly. Uh, Hoffenheim lost at home to Mainz. A bit of a shock there. Furtz losing at home to the perfect still Wolfsburg. Uh, RB got taught a lesson by champions Bayern 4-1 there at the Red Bull Leipzig Stadium. Uh, Sunday's games, 1-1 draw between Frankfurt and Stuttgart. Entertaining game there. Bochum losing at home to Hertha 3-1. Big win there for Hertha. And Gladbach finishing off the weekend with a 3-1 home win for Bielefeld. So that's the scores on the door. So let's bring in our guest then uh, for this week. So we've got John McKenzie of Analytics FC. So yeah, John's uh, um, head of content for Analytics FC. So you check them out on Twitter first and foremost. And he also runs the Twitter page, What a Strike. Uh, so that is a Twitter page that covers the stats and tactical uh, analysis of Freiburg. So let's bring him in now. Evening, John. Thanks very much for joining us. Hey, guys. It's great to be here. Hope you're both doing well. Yeah, top man. Thanks very much for coming on uh, coming on this evening as we're recording on the Sunday uh, after the weekend's uh, Bundesliga action. So, um, what we'll do is, John, um, we'll crack on with our featured four analysis and start with your team. Um, so, Freiburg won, FC Köln won. Um, so, John, first and foremost, um, just, just your basic 
overall uh, feelings about the, the result on a basic level before we go into anything else like that? Yeah, it's a, it's a shame that this is the weekend that, that I come on to talk about Freiburg, really, because this is probably the, <laughs> the most disappointing result that, that they've yeah. had so far this season. Uh, obviously, they've they've had some some good results. They, they've managed to beat Stuttgart and, and also Dortmund, which is a really good result for, for Freiburg. Um, and they had a bit more of a disappointing opening draw to the season to Bielefeld as well. Um, mm-hmm. Freiburg an interesting team because I think, uh, and this I think this shows it as well. The fact that the two draws that they've got have been against the teams that you might actually expect them to to maybe ease ease past without any trouble. Um, obviously, Köln a little bit better this season than they have been in the last few seasons. Um, so I think that needs to be caveated. But uh, this was this was a, a pretty poor game from Freiburg in, in the end, and um, they were well on their way towards a one 0 defeat, which I think largely would have been deserved in many respects. They were lucky that that Köln ended up having a a red card in the 75th minute, um, which which just gave them that little bit of impetus to to get um, forward a little bit more. And, and in the end, it was an own goal that, that did it for them. So it wasn't even a, a convincing goal at that. But um, yeah, I think the, the thing for Freiburg is at the moment they're in the heavy heights of the of the Bundesliga. Um, and every season for Freiburg is, is basically we need to stay up. And so uh, results like this are, are, are very welcome, I think, for most Freiburg fans because, um, yes, it would be lovely for them to get into Europe again, which has happened within the last five years. But um, first and foremost, it's all about making sure you get enough points on the board to avoid going into the relegation spaces. And, and that's what they're very much doing at the moment. So, yeah, interesting one. One of those games where you kind of think, oh, it would have been great to pick the points up that you need. But um, actually, the, I think there's a, a sense in which Freiburg actually benefit from playing against the, the teams who come out against them uh, rather than the, the the teams who are maybe going to be a little bit stodgier defensively. Um, and I, I think the two draws they've had so far have sort of been testaments of that. They haven't looked as creative when teams are happier to sit in against them. I noticed that um, the, the possession stats are, um, I, I guess, fairly, there's a fair parity, but but Freiburg did have the, the higher possession stats against Köln. And I think in general, they, they tend to fare better when they maybe... Um, give a little bit of the possession up and then they are a counter-attacking side. So um, that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on as the season goes goes on. So yeah, good result really. Um, disappointing game, uh, but yeah. everything's everything's looking pretty good for Freiburg this season. Good stuff. Yeah, I think um, what I've certainly seen from Freiburg this season is that uh, where possible, they've made um, positive starts to the first half. So obviously the one week that we get you on, John, obviously it is the one the one game where they, they struggled in the first half. I think it's fair to say FC uh, Colm really were, were on the front foot for large proportions of it. Um, and I think you quite rightly say the game pretty much swung on the red card. Um, really stupid bit of uh, play <laughs> kinds. I don't know what involved in that. Very comical. Yeah, a bit on a yellow card as well. So that was his second booking, of course. Um, and then Freiburg, you know, made the most of it. So, as we've got you on the show, John, and, you know, with your kind of tactical head on, do you think there's anything different that Freiburg could have done before, obviously, you know, you making the most of the, the man advantage and then pushing forward where eventually the goal came from a, I mean, it's an own goal and it's probably harsh to say it's a bit of a bad own goal because I think he just gets his feet in the muddle um, and obviously the ball deflects off. But, yeah, in general, is there much uh, Freiburg hadn't done this weekend that they've done in the first three games that you spotted, John? Yeah, I think for me, the, the interesting thing about this game is that, is that Kern play 
uh, a four four two diamond, which we've actually seen quite a bit of in the Bundesliga this season. Uh, and it, obviously, Dortmund have been playing have been playing that formation, and it's it's a funny formation, and it's one which I'm I'm never quite certain about um, because because obviously the the big thing about it is narrowness. Um, so yeah, when you play with that diamond, you tend to largely use it, I think, as a counter pressing. Um, tactic so that you when you play the ball forward and the second ball comes out you can have players around the ball to quickly um to quickly pounce on it and, and try and create an uh, a counter-attack from, from that situation um that means it's quite narrow and and usually the best way of playing against that is to is to try and move the uh, ball from side to side to create space on on either side on the opposite side move the ball across and um it surprised me a little bit because freiburg are usually a, a very good team for doing that sort of thing um, they obviously have Vincenzo Grifo, who's one of the, the stars of the team, plays on, on one wing. Yeah. Um, they had uh, Roland Shalai, um on, on the other wing, both players who are going to cause problems from, from wide areas. Uh, they also have Wu Yong Jong, who's, who's playing as a sort of second striker at the moment, but yeah. is, is a player who can drift into those wide spaces as well. And I think it was just disappointing for me in the first half in particular that they just didn't seem to be um, making the most of, of those of, of that sort of width, width issue. I would have liked to have seen them them trying to maybe move the ball one side to the other um, and make a little bit more of that. And actually in the second half, I think they were much better in the second half. And one of the things I noticed um, was that Nico Schlotterbeck um, who's the left-sided centre-back in, in that back four as it stands, was playing really wide. They were almost going to a, a back three in possession. Um, mm-hmm. And Schlotterbeck was basically sitting in the, the left-back area. Christian Gunter was was pushing down the, 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 the wing. And we were seeing Schlotterbeck carry the ball into really advanced areas um and and you know at times even getting into the box and it made a huge difference because you, you're then you're then sort of utilizing the fact that that there's a narrowness there but you're also bringing an extra player into that space that opens out in the wide areas and um yeah nico schlotterbeck what a what a player really exciting player to see coming through it's yeah. great to see him getting picked by the um the uh, the Meisterschaft uh, in the last international break. So, yeah, there's lots of fun players at, at Freiburg at the moment, and they've definitely got enough players to cause problems. I just some, sometimes think that Christian Streich is a little bit too nervous about being gung-ho. So it's mm-hmm. always sort of safety first. And sometimes in these games, it means then you, you sort of get a little bit frustrated that there isn't that like ball progression that you could get quicker. Um, yeah. So playing someone like Lukas Hurler um, up front, who is a and and Wu Yong Jong for that matter, both really really good off the ball. We're going to chase the ball around all day long, uh, but sometimes you just sort of want there to be one of those two strikers being uh, one, someone who's going to be a, a little bit more efficient. He's just going to cause problems to the opposition defence, put them in, under pressure in in quick situations, and just see if you can nick the goal. And I think that that that's something else that maybe could have been done differently. Maybe bringing on Emedin Demirovic, who had a great season last season, but seems to have fallen out of favour a little bit this season. Bringing him on a bit earlier maybe would have made a bit of a difference as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what what you alluded to there with regards to the tactics in the second half, using Schlotterbeck almost as that as a fullback and being able to push uh, the fullbacks on a lot higher up the pitch definitely would have uh, gone in the favour of Freiburg, given the fact that FC Cohn's uh, success so far this season has been using their width and, and playing it into the likes of Oot and, and Modest up front, which has been a bit of an unlikely partnership this season. Because mm. if you said that, those two would have been thriving in the Bundesliga based on their, their recent past, it would have been a bit of a shock. So... Yeah, effectively, when Freiburg did that, they were able to maybe condense Cole a bit more and, and you know, 
flip reverse things on onto them and, and be much more of a threat. And um, obviously we saw some some good saves actually by uh, by Timo Horn in net to keep to keep things what well, looked like it was going to be a, a narrow win for, for Colin, but Freiburg's persistence eventually paid off. So I think it was uh, on on the face of it probably fair to say a, a draw was about right. Um, so looking ahead, John, uh, with regards to Freiburg, you've already mentioned how the kind of season objective every season is to uh, to stay to stay in the Bundesliga, given Freiburg's you know small um, transfer uh, spends that we usually see. Um, so, what are your thoughts for the rest of the season? Have you know your expectations changed slightly based on the positive start, or is it still very much get to? A certain you know a certain amount of points and, and go from there yeah i'm maybe a little bit more circumspect than than most fans so i'm always going to be um a, a little bit um careful about jumping into hasty conclusions based on all <laughs> games i'm just looking at the um the fb ref numbers at the moment um and freiburg so freiburg are fifth in the table um but if you look at their expected goal difference they're, they're actually they've actually conceded more goals or conceded more xG than they've created. Uh, for those people who don't know what expected goals is, it's just a way of looking at the chance qualities that are created yeah. uh, and trying to work out you know the the likelihood of of the chances that have been created going in. Um, so Freiburg are currently on three point six goals for, and according to xG, uh, they've actually scored six goals. So they're they're already um, scoring way more than you might expect. And then in terms of goals against, they're on. Um, for XG against, um, and they have conceded for XG. So they're, they're running a little bit rich in attack uh, and, and finishing about where they, you would expect them to be defensively. Um, if you look at the teams above them, um, so you've got you've got uh, Mainz, Dortmund, uh, Bayern, and Wolfsburg. All of those all of those teams are well um, in advance of their expected goal difference. So Mainz are plus two point five, um, Dortmund are plus four point four. Bayern are plus five and, and Wolfsburg are plus 3.6. So if you look at the underlying numbers, it suggests that that this is a, a fairly unsustainable rate for Freiburg to to remain in that in that sort of position, um, which which is fine. I, 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 I don't expect them to be finishing in European places, really. Um, but it's it's nice having that bedrock to sort of kick off the season um, and and have the points on the board, however lucky they are. Um, coming to you, it's it's just nice to have that bedrock. You don't want to get into the sort of situation that Hertha Berlin have been in in the last couple of seasons, and and they've sort of been in that situation uh, until the the game today. You don't want to get into that into that sort of um, uh, state of affairs where you are worrying a little bit about relegation. It's the same thing happened with Werder Bremen for so many seasons before they went down. Um, yeah. So for me, I don't I don't care how the points come. Uh, as long as they're there and and we're well above the, the relegation zone, um, I, it's just a case I think of of maybe picking picking up a few a few issues that we've seen along the way in terms of the the tactical side of things and and getting that attack a little bit more dangerous. The defence looks pretty good. I don't think I've ever seen uh, a better Freiburg defence um, under my time supporting. So that's about yeah. five six years. Um, the attack, I think we've got the players to do it, but I think there there needs to be a little bit more coming there. And if you can if 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 Streich can sort that out, then I think they will be well worth the sort of top top half of the table finish. Good stuff. Uh, and before I just move on to um, ask you, John, a, a little bit about how you've got into the ana ana analytical side of things. It's <laughs> easy for me to say. Um, one question, really, that we've never had a Freiburg fan on the show before. Obviously, we're only into <laughs> our second series of this, um, but really happy to have you on. So just wondering... 
not a lot of people maybe had you know seen a lot of Freiburg because they don't get involved in mass transfers and they keep it you know squad you know tighten it together and they're very careful about what they do and you know even if you look at the Santa Maria kind of signing and how that maybe didn't work out so with regards to how they approach transfers and and how they'd obviously want to keep a hold of key players with the likes of Grifo and, and Demirovic who well certainly last season um, are they a club that you know run well? Uh, do they you know just try and make sure that they keep on a you know a st- steady plateau of, of making sure that they you know are financially mm. stable, especially in you know these COVID times? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would describe Freiburg as a as, as a sort of selling club. Um, there'll be a club who are happy to um, to move players on if the right offer comes in. So you mentioned Baptiste Santa Maria who, who moved this summer. Um, he was the record signing that, that Freiburg had made. I can't, I can't remember the exact figure because there's a little bit of argumentation about, about what, what it was, but they definitely made a, um, uh, a, a positive return on him. So, um, yeah, Santa Maria came, came in from Angers in France, um, spent a season at Freiburg and didn't really his family didn't really settle in in the in the city and so he decided he wanted to go back he's moved back to uh, Rennes recently um, and it was just the, the whole process was just really professional um, he went to the club and said I'm not happy here I'm not settling in I'd like to go back to France if that's possible they said that's fine as long as we can find a buyer as long as we can find a replacement uh, obviously they ended up bringing in Maxi Eggenstein um, yeah. Eggenstein for, for um, a really good fee uh, I think it was three million euros something like that um, and and obviously sold Santa Maria for profit as well um, and so, yeah, on on paper that that looks absolutely fine. There's there's been a few uh, players who they've sold for for fairly big money. If you look at their their record signings versus their record sales, they just made I think they made something like twenty million uh, euro profit on the top three players that they spent money on and then sold on, uh, which is a really good rate of return when you consider that um, Santa Maria Santa Maria was their record signing, and I think he was maybe about ten million euros or ten million pounds, one of the two. Um, I don't have the figure to to, to my, uh, on, on, my, on the top of my head, I'm afraid. But yeah. yeah, really, really good way of running a club for for me. It's it's a smart way of running the club. They have a manager in Christian Streich who is just a, a fantastic manager. He, he he works with what he's got, uh, gets on with it, gets them every every season in in the in the league, finishing way higher than their wage budget would suggest. Um, they they. They typically, I don't know if this has changed in recent years because wage um, numbers are always a little bit um, out, out of date by the time they actually come through. But they've they've typically been in the sort of bottom three or four um, in terms of the the amount of money that they're spending on wages, um, and they're finishing you know mid table most of the time. There was one uh, relegation under strike. They kept him and they came straight back up the season season after. So it's just smart business. It's um at Freiburg for people who don't know is in the south west of Germany. Um, it's it's basically the Lake District of the Germany is of Germany. That's <laughs> how I describe it. So you've got the Black Forest, the Schwarzwald, which was what their stadium was was named after until recently. They're moving into a new stadium now, um, and it's it's a little bit sort of uh, touristy. It's it's a little bit back of beyond. So I can see how you know someone like Santa Maria might turn up and not enjoy the place uh, but they have a lot of local play- players who they bring up through through the ranks who they then sell on for profit so people like Matthias Ginter uh, Max Philip players like that Leeds yeah. United my my English club bought uh, Robin Koch from them recently um, so th- yeah they they they're 
they're, they're great at sort of bringing through local talent and, and bringing talent that's not recognized in Germany through. They also ship in, uh, shop in markets outside um, the, the usual market, so maybe backwater markets. So we mentioned, we mentioned Roland Schloy. Um, the the, uh, the 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 winger the Hungarian winger um, they he was brought in from a Cypriot team um, so they they are looking in sort of these backwater markets for value um, yeah. and when when he inevitably moves on they will make profit on him as well so it's just a it's just a really smart run club which which just accepts that they won't be able to keep players uh, when they perform well so you've got to just constantly be having that that sort of turnover of good talent and if you can do that then then it's all great. Brilliant. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. Last question from me, um, certainly on Freiburg. It's basically just um, how, how you've ended up being being a fan and obviously being associated with Freiburg and and obviously having the Twitter Twitter page and things like that. Yeah, yeah it's a funny story actually because when I started following the the Bundesliga, I I did it really as a professional thing. I was I was covering football as a football writer, uh, and and the advice would always had been make sure that you've got like another league outside of the English leagues that you're that you're you, you sort of have an expertise in. Uh, and I'd chosen Germany because I love German culture. Um, I was learning German at the time as well. It just sort of made sense. And I really enjoyed German football. Um, but when I when I was first doing uh, covering the league, I sort of had a soft, soft spot for Gladbach um, and, and sort of considered myself a sort of semi-Gladbach fan. Um, but the my girlfriend at the time uh, is was a, is a big Liverpool fan. Um, she was my girlfriend at the time. Um, she, uh, we'd been watching a lot of football. It was the the season when um, RB Leipzig had just come up, uh, and they played that really exciting football under Ralf Hasenhüttl. Um, and she'd fallen in love with Naby Keita and was desperate to see Naby Keita play in the flesh. So we we basically we we worked out that I had a friend in Freiburg who had always said, "You should come over, come over, and I'll sort you out tickets to a game if you come over." Um, and so we we worked out that it was that the the game against RB Leipzig sort of favourably fell. Um, on on the same uh, at, this, at, this, at a time when we could make it, uh, and we ended up going across watching this this game. Had a great time in Freiburg, the city, um, which sort of peaked with us going to the game. And in the in the end, Freiburg won two one against RB Leipzig, which was a r- ridiculously good result for them in the context because that was the season where where RB Leipzig basically nearly won. The, well, I think around Christmas time they were they were sort of really pushing for the title. They fell away obviously at the end. Um, yeah, so um, it was it was a great game, and, and Naby Keita didn't even show up because he was injured. Um, so, <laughs> so, so yeah, the, but from that point on, that was me. I was I just loved the experience of going to the game. Um, experiencing how tight knit the, the football community was. I mean, Freiburg is a town of two hundred thousand people, and it's, wow. and the stadium's seats or stands twenty thousand people. So one in ten people, and it's, it, look, it's in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like people are travelling to the games from a long way around. This is yeah. predominantly the people in the city going along to the game. One in ten people from the city pretty much there and so as a result of that everyone in the city cares about what's going on in the football club because it imp- impacts them in some way uh, so it was great sort of that 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 side of things it was great being able to stand in the stadium drink beer and and, and just enjoy the fan culture after the game uh, the the ultras basically 
anoint one of the players as a man of the match and he goes into the stand and sings songs through the loudspeaker and and, and they all dance around nice. that's great fun as well and and also just the stadium it's a, a small stadium so the the team boss the team the the opposition team boss was just parked to the back and you could see all the players just getting in it and you would you're all milling around just with the players going through it and and the Freiburg players themselves just very very down-to-earth guys because a lot of them you know they're not big stars in Germany and so yeah again you're milling around afterwards drinking beers chatting to people and and the, these players just walk through you get to get into their cars and people chat to them and uh, it's just a really really nice atmosphere so yeah from that point on I was just hooked uh, a, a strong, strong sell on Freiburg. Me and Rory, after the last show I jumped on, we're talking about trying to get out to Germany at some point this year or next for a game. And uh, obviously, the obvious ones are you know, Munich, Dortmund. Mm. But uh, it sounds like Freiburg's going to have to be on the list then. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. The, the only problem is, is that they've they have got a new stadium now. So that the, what they're calling now is the Dreisam Stadium, which is the the, the sort of iconic stadium in the in the middle of the Black Forest, you can see the forest behind it from from goal kicks and stuff, um, is is now um, being replaced by a, a more modern uh, stadium, which is on the other side of town. They are going to keep the Dreisam Stadium for the women's team and the um, 23s team, so that it will still be in action. But um, a big part of the the thrill for me was just being in such an iconic stadium where you, you're watching over the game and to your right, you, uh, to your left, you can see the black forest up the up the hill as and it's just a, a really great experience so yeah well worth a, a visit but a little bit out of the way unfortunately for a, a yeah. sort of big bundesliga weekend <laughs> brilliant stuff john that i mean uh, that's been great to listen to you about freiburg and, and really listening more about the club that we wanted to cover more so that's brilliant um so what we'll do is we'll just quickly move on to the remaining uh three of our featured four games um so next up was well, arguably, you've got to say the, the best um, game of the weekend, probably across Europe, I think it's fair to say. So uh, Leverkusen 3, Dortmund 4. Uh, Smithy, I'll throw it over to you. Do you want to just um, ask John a little bit about what he thought about the game and a few a few of the key points? Because, well, there certainly was a fair few of them. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, certainly uh, ebbed and flowed. It was really, as a neutral, really, really interesting to uh, to dive into it and uh, and watch that one. I caught the highlights and uh, I think the highlights were nearly 20 minutes. So uh, obviously plenty going on. Um, you know, for a couple of points for me, I thought Bellingham looked really good again. Um, obviously had his goal disallowed, which is a shame. But um, yeah, really interesting. Some cracking goals. Haaland. I think Haaland... They said that was only his second ever header that he'd scored for Dortmund or something crazy. But I thought, you know, we would have got a few more than that because he is you know, a decent-sized chap. But um, obviously on the, on the score list, on the score sheet again. Um, and what about that free kick from, uh, was it Guerrero? Yeah. Um, free kick at the end, just unbelievable. But yeah, do, do you think that was a fair result, 4-3 Dortmund? Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because I think when you look at what happened right at the end of that game, when they, they get the sort of free kick and then a penalty, which... I think you would feel a little bit put out by if you were a fan of any team that conceded that penalty. It did. Yeah, yeah. It did feel a little bit like like Dortmund got away with it. Um, mm -hmm. Again, looking at the underlying numbers, it does seem as though they they didn't get away with it, but they did create the chances to score goals and and maybe Leverkusen scored a few low chance um, or low probability efforts. But yeah, for me, this was a game of of exciting youngsters. Right, we've got Florian Wirtz, who's just yeah. incredible to watch, and it, it feels like he's been around forever, right? And he's still ridiculously young, uh, and then. Jamal Muziala, who came on and I just thought looked excellent in, in the game. Um, 
Dortmund, Dortmund are funny, aren't they? Because you never really know what you're going to get with them, but you do know that there will be exciting youngsters on that team. And there was just that, yeah, it, it's it's so great watching them play. And um, speak, I, I've just talked about youngsters, but that Julian Brandt get goal. My goodness, it was great as well. It's just <laughs> so many good goals in this in this fixture. Um, it was just a such an open game, wasn't it? It just felt, it didn't feel particularly tactical. It just sort of felt like it was two teams slugging it out against each other and you're just getting goal after goal and it went one, one nil, two, one, three, two, four, three. It just went all the way, all the way, uh, just sort of flipping backwards and forwards. So yeah, really, really enjoyable game. Um, but it's hard to make anything of it in terms of like being so open. Yeah. yeah, I was literally about to say that. It's probably got to be like a statistician's nightmare or a tactician's nightmare like game. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pure carnage, isn't it? Um, mm. Obviously, yeah, Florian Verst getting, getting things off the mark for Leverkusen, who started really quickly. Um, and obviously, they kept on going into the lead, which I, I thought, on obviously, based on form, it was like, you know, that seems right. Dortmund, obviously, have shown vulnerabilities at the back. Them conceding goals is no, no new thing. Um, but... I don't know if it's uh, an inbuilt thing or, or if they're just led so well by Haaland, who has this uh, this inner belief that he, if he's involved in a game, they have the chance of winning. But mm-hmm. to come back from, to keep on coming back throughout that game three times, different times, mm-hmm. was incredibly impressive. And, and as you said, a, a game just filled with individual quality. The free kick, um, obviously Haaland's header, um, you know, everything about that. So... John, just briefly, are you quite impressed with just, you know, Dortmund's mentality just not to be beaten, given the fact that it's, they're such a hard team to predict at the moment? Mm. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because with Marco Rosa and and René Maric in charge, you sort of think that they're going to be like a hyper cerebral team. Like you, It feels as though you will watch those games and sort of see tactical ideas being being played out but it very much looks as though at the moment they are going with that 4-4-2 diamond that we've talked about and mm-hmm. they haven't been able to do that with the sorts of fullbacks that they maybe wanted to um, which I think can limit you a lot and so it does feel as though everything just ends up being quite central um, well I, I should say that yesterday they did they did start in a 4-2-3-1 I think and they did bring on Donald Malin later on didn't they and then went into that into that formation um, but it does seem as though they are just gonna they, they just really want to go super direct and they're just sort of relying on the fact that when you've got players like the players that they've got on the field like particularly Haaland like you've said the the ability for him to just generate chances out of seemingly no seemingly nowhere um that probably is quite a good way of going about it uh, and yeah looking at the underlying numbers they did restrict Leverkusen to low probability chances and they did generate some high probability chances themselves so it's clearly on paper working and we, we talked before about the underlying numbers and they're well worth their place in the in the Champions League spots at the moment so uh, maybe maybe Maric and, and Rosa are doing the right thing as things stand. Very much so so yeah very positive result for them um, I'll just quickly throw out a question to you both actually just for, for your thoughts on it Dortmund, of course, have been, generally speaking, the next best team to, to Leverkusen, of course, with the exception of RB Leipzig, who have you know, pushed them quite far. But in terms of this season, do either of you see them, you know, even remotely pushing this Bayern side? So throw over to Smithy first and then, then over to you, John. I think they're going to have to shore it up at the back a little bit. <laughs> you, you rarely see Bayern Munich, I think, you know, conceding two, three, four goals a game. Yeah. Um, 
obviously, if they're going to be scoring four or five goals every game, then uh, then they can do. But I don't think that's going to happen every week. Um, I'd be interested to see whether the business that they have done is going to be enough to make up for Sancho, um, losing Sancho. Because obviously, still a very young player, but such a big player for them over the last couple of years in terms of the amount of contributions um, to goals. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how that plays out. To be honest, I don't think they're going to challenge Bayern. Um, and I think if they lose Haaland at some point, you know, I don't know whether he signed new contracts or, you know, whether he's going to go next year. But I think they could be in trouble if he uh, does decide to go um, in the next year to two years. Mm. Yeah, all very good points, John. Yeah, it's, look, it's a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because I think in the last few seasons, we've, we've always sort of been like, well, you know, if Bayern were pushed hard enough by by Dortmund where we'd have, we'd have seen a title challenge or, or however people want to put it. But the fact of the matter is there's just such a massive financial disparity between Dortmund and Bayern that I think it's it's really unfair that a lot of managers, so particularly Lucien Favre, I think was tarred with this brush where people would say he doesn't have the doesn't have the mentality to coach Dortmund. You need to have a passionate coach in charge of Dortmund who's going to get, you know, more out of them just by sort of geeing them along. Um, this this is interesting because we now we obviously had a few Bayern coaches who who maybe weren't quite up to scratch. Um, I, I'm thinking particularly of Kovac here, and and it, you know the, when when you get someone like Kovac who never really performed well at Bayern, and still no one could overtake him after what was probably the worst. His, uh, the first season in their in in their sort of recent history, um, it does sort of raise questions about what what it would look like for a team to to actually challenge at the very top. But I think this time this time around is going to be fascinating because, I, I mean, I've already mentioned that I have a, a huge amount of time for for Marco Rosa and and Rene Maric's assistant. I also have a huge amount of time for Julian Nagelsmann. Um, so what we're going to see here is we're going to we're sort of maybe not a level playing field in terms of the, the coaches, but what we've got is two smart coaches um, with with good quality players um, under under them. And I think if we get to the end of the season and we see that there still is that gap between between Bayern and 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 Dortmund, then you, you sort of raise the question like, what would it take? to overcome that gap like what what is it that is eventually going to give is it just a case again of having to wait for for another Niko Kovac to end up at Bayern for for whatever reason and hope that that Dortmund have a good coach at that point um obviously Bayern turned over RB Leipzig as we're going to talk about um and RB Leipzig have, have been as close to a challenger to Bayern in recent years as well so what does that say I thought I thought maybe Bayern were a bit lucky getting a penalty in that one but we will go on to talk about that but like it it does just feel as though the chips always fall for Bayern. They have such an incredible team that mm-hmm. to actually overtake them is just is going to require a huge amount of I think, p- well, good performances, but also a little bit of luck too. So, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, where where better place to you know kind of mention was but supposed to have been dubbed um, yeah the title well, not title deciding game, but an early an early look into these two teams that should be well up there this season. Obviously ending up. 4-1 to the champions. Um, obviously, the returning Julian Nagelsmann, the returning Upamecano, and the returning Marcel Sabitzer as well. So, um, obviously, we, we kind of talked a little bit about how by, you know, this juggernaut of a team, there's obviously plenty of chat in the Bundesliga um, amongst fans and, and pundits alike about how, you know, buy and do their business. RB Leipzig last season were the second best team in the league according to the league standings. And they they've obviously lost their young, young budding coach, head coach. They 
you know, best central defender and, their, you know, their captain to, to that team. Um, so, with all that in mind, it reinforces Bayern and it weakens the second place team. So, that that's maybe a discussion for another day or later on this show. But with regards to the to the game, John, what what did you make of it first of all, and was it a, uh, a comfortable comfortable victory in the end? I have to admit, when, before we start off, I had a massive brain freeze, didn't I? Because I talked about Jamal Musiala for for Dortmund <laughs> and he's for Bayern. So, yeah, huge apologies for that. It's been it's been a long day for me, but uh, yeah, it, this was a really interesting game for me because it it I, I thought that there was a that there was that early penalty. Um, which you know sort of came out of nowhere um, with with um, Kevin Campbell sort of shepherding the ball out and, and it hitting his arm, um, and it felt a little bit unjust insofar as it what didn't really feel as though Bayern necessarily deserved to go in leading at the half, um, and I, I wonder what sort of impact that that kind of thing has on a team psychologically if if you you know that you can't make any mistakes against a, a team like Bayern and then you make just a completely basic mistake and end up going in uh, 1-0 down essentially because of that mistake it must be a psychological blow because you know it's it's going to be hard enough to to sort of get get a goal get a lead and hold on to it so uh, for me that that was the sort of defining moment of of the game um okay yeah maybe maybe it's maybe not quite so simple as that but um i i did think that there was it was maybe um uh, unfortunate that we didn't really get a level playing field game off the back of that. Um, it was always going to be RB, RB Leipzig. I think the penalty was fairly early on. It was a 12th minute, I think. Yeah. Um, and and when you're chasing a game, you obviously leave yourself open, open at the back. Uh, and, and obviously in the end, Bayern ground. And um, that when they have players like Jamal Muziala, as I've mentioned, I was really impressed with this weekend. Yeah. Um, they've got players like Leo Sané as well. Um players who, who can just sort of pick you off on the break so if you're going forward trying to get that equalizer then yeah you're in a situation where you are going to be uh, going to be picked off um players that stood out for me uh for I'll, I'll say for for RB Leipzig because I think um it's it's easy um it's easy to to focus on the winners uh, but Mohamed Simikan I thought had a great game um yeah, yeah. um with a thankless task, right? Um, when you're when you're up against those Bayern forwards, uh, I thought he looked really great. And uh, again, it just it seems as though RB Leipzig just do good business. Um, it, it's sort of like a, a, a Freiburg, but at the other end of the table, right, where where they're they're selling my players on for for millions and then bringing in the next big talent uh, as well. Uh, uh, I thought. Yoshko Guardiol as well when he came on looked really good. Um, the 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 centre back turned left back for them at the moment. Um, uh, another player who they just seem to they just seem to pick all of the smart the smart signings and they they turn out good. So uh, no doubt we will see a couple of those players moved on maybe next season or the season after. Um, but yeah, it, I thought this was a it was a it was a it, it was promised to be a good game and it was maybe a little bit let down by the penalty. Yeah, it's a bit of a psychological blow, like you said. Bayern have just got this uh, habit of of scoring at the right time, whether it's just before the half or early on in games. Um, obviously, it proved to be the case. The substitution of Musiala, obviously losing Gnabry to injury, but then being able to bring on the calibre of player that he is, uh, obviously, you know, it's yeah. game-changing in, in that regard. Um, and then RB, you know, get, get a bit of a sniff through that worldly of a goal through Lima, great hit that, um, giving Neuer no chance. Um, but unfortunately, from there on in, Bayern were, were actually clever enough just to manage the game, and then obviously they picked things off 
quite well in the end. Um, Smithy, any any other players that you picked up from that game? Maybe on the buy-in side. Um, obviously, probably some obvious candidates, I presume. Yeah, no, I was really impressed with the 18-year-old when he came on. Just thought it was really, really good, <laughs> really exciting. Um, it just seems like I know you've obviously said it before, but as a neutral, he doesn't always um, you know, keep massively up to date with it. They've just got so much young talent across the Bundesliga. It's really exciting. Um, and it seems like they give them all a chance to actually play as well, rather than just you know a couple of minutes here and there. They actually look to bring them through. Um, but yeah, absolute wonder goal at the end there. That's by far. Uh, my goal of the week, I think. Um, it's just unfortunate they'd already shipped three or four before it went in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, not worth really covering it too much more. Bayern looking very imperious right now. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on things as they go on. Um, right, last game of the weekend, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, for our featured four anyway, uh, that we're going to cover is um, the the game on Sunday, Balkan 1, Hertha Berlin 3. Um, so, First points on the board for Hertha Berlin. Very, very important for them against, well, I mean, at the moment, relegation rivals, Bolkum, who still sitting in 13th place, but obviously starting to be pulled in the in the wrong direction now. Um, John, I know obviously you're at the football today, so obviously weren't really able to ca- uh, keep an eye on things uh, with regards to this game. But w- were you expecting more from Hertha Berlin in the first three games, certainly, you know, in terms of this season. I mean, me and Mark tipped them to have a much more improved season, but obviously they've got they've got off the mark today um, and, and they've looked a bit better with some of the players that have come in in terms of their transfers. But prior to that, what, what were your thoughts on them? Yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous last season that they were even anywhere in with a shout of relegation in terms of what the squad, the squad that yeah, they've yeah. got. And then they spent a huge amount of money anyway. And it's just remarkable that that, that club can be so badly managed and 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 run in general. Um, same same this season, I think, is there's, there's still that vestige there of things that, that you just kind of think, how's how how is this club going through this? Like they should they should be one of the biggest clubs in in German football. They shouldn't be fighting relegation here. They've spent enough money. They've got enough good talent on their books that they should be at least pushing at the top. Um, yeah, beating beating Bochum three one is that is that is that a good indication of where they're at? Maybe maybe it's what they need, but. Um, they they certainly need to be away from the bottom of the of the table on uh, of just the quality of player and and the quality of club and facilities that they have. So I, I think we'll probably see them maybe a little bit more like mid table this season. But yeah, yeah it, it just I don't really understand it. Um, I don't know if you guys have got any ideas about why things have gone so badly wrong for them um, in in recent years. I think they almost got away with it last season because Schalke were even worse. So <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 it's it would be interesting to see how how her to sort of pull themselves up again yeah i think well certainly for me a lot of it goes maybe towards the head coach um obviously dardai very kind of emotional um uh, character um maybe an emotional kind of appointment just uh with regards to last season he did the job that was required of him which he kept her to in the bundesliga um to which obviously he was you know very pleased with himself about um but whether they then you know, looked again and maybe looked at something more of a longer-term project. Um, Some of their signings for me, uh, certainly this season, have looked a bit strange. Um, But having said that, um, and having spoke briefly about Schalke, uh, it was actually one of um, the signings from Schalke today that did um, most of the damage in the the shape of uh, Suat Serdar, 
um, who who bagged himself two goals um, alongside another Davy Tontin and Malida. Um, I think he's a Frenchman who's come in from um, from. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where he's come from, to be frankly honest. But there are a couple of signings that look useful. Um, but, John, do you think they just need a bit more of direction with regards to their, A, their transfer policy, and B, maybe looking at refreshing things with regards to the head coach? Because I'm not sure, for me personally, the re- um, Dardai is the right man for the job. Yeah, I agree with both of those things. I think it's all well and good spending money. You've got to spend it in good areas. And having said that, Suat Serda is an absolutely brilliant player. Uh, I loved him at, at Schalke and it was just sad to see him sort of languishing in that team by the end. Um, so, yeah, good to see him playing well off the mark and 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 you know making Hertha better than the slum of their parts or the parts of their sum I don't even know how it goes around with them at the moment but and yeah n- not being a fan of Dada either um I think it's it's just, what they probably need is, is some sort of top-down reorganization where they they decide what it is as a club that they that they are that they're trying to do what their their, their overall strategy is going to be if they are they going to be a a, um, a club that spends money uh, in which case sort of what sort of style of football are they thinking of playing who's the best coach they can get to to bring that about what do they do in terms of uh, director of football um yeah. because you, you know again it's it's all well and good just bringing in good players in scare quotes you yeah. you need to have some kind of direction in, in terms of what it is that you're trying to do as a, as a club in terms of play style and stuff like that so those are the, the big sort of questions I have with with Hertha and I think modern football now you can't really get away um, with with just sort of bringing in big big players or good players unless you're Manchester United of course um, eventually it works as I know you I know that you're a, you're a Manchester United fan Rory, so that, was a, <laughs> that was a cheap shot I'm afraid sorry that's fine well we actually been so kind to join us John um, <laughs> yeah no I, I completely agree with the, the some of the signings like just to throw them out with regards to Hertha um, you know Jovetic Kevin Prince Bo was saying I know Jovetic um, has had a an okay start to be fair in Hertha uh, colours um, last season, bringing in Sammy Kadira. Um, obviously, these are names, but are they players that are going to, you know, gel into your team and you know make make a real impact? Obviously, Kadira's you know had half a season and then retired, so he's gone straight away. Um, I'm not entirely sure how long either of the other two players will last at, at the club. So interesting one to watch for Hertha, but yeah, obviously they'll be pleased to get off the mark and um, Balkan. At home, of course, they'll be stronger. Um, they're going to hold on to games, I think. Uh, they look very Armenia Bielefeld-esque um, from what me and Mark have seen from, from last um, last season almost. So not the end of the world for them, um, but they'll certainly want to bounce back when they can. Um, well, so that's the end of OTB's Featured Four. Uh, so at this point, we have to unfortunately say uh, good evening and goodbye to John. So John... Uh, firstly, from me, thank you very much for, for giving up your time uh, this evening. Uh, obviously, having come from the football match and then joining us uh, to record late on this evening and give us some really good insight, really uh, tactical insight into uh, F, um, FC Freiburg. And yeah, it's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah, it's great. Great to be on and um, yeah, look forward to chatting you in the future. And again, apologies for confusing which team Jamal Muziala is at. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> Thanks very much, John. Hope to catch you very soon on uh, on a season, uh, well, on an episode further on the season. Who knows? Yeah, Thanks take care, guys. Cheers, Cheers, John. John.
Okie doke, right. Um, fantastic first guest to have on the season of the Bundesliga show. Always like to get new representation, so what a start. Right, well, very quickly uh, round off the rest of the fixtures then that we've not covered in slightly less detail. Um, so let's start off with probably the next best game. Um, so that was a 3-1 uh, win for Gladbach, uh, which only finished a few hours ago, actually. Um, for them, so um, Smithy on the face of it, good win for Gladbach. Um, obviously, you know, they've got the players, um, that are capable to push them up further up the league. They're only in 11th at the moment, but they've been suffering from injuries. Um, good win for them, but you know, they obviously need to improve a lot more, don't they? Yeah, yeah, strong win. Obviously, game you'd probably expect them to be winning, um, you know, reasonably comfortably. Um, yeah, definitely got the players to be uh, hopefully pushing a lot higher than they are at the moment, and certainly want to be getting uh, getting into Europe again. I'm not sure are they are they in Europe this year again. Are they in Europe in, League? Uh, Europa, the conference Europa League. Uh, yeah, uh, well, not even sure they are actually. I we'll have to double check. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, yeah, good win for them. Uh, yeah. the best, I think it's the best they've played all, all season, isn't it? Really. Um, yeah. What are you, what are your thoughts on um on Bielefeld? Obviously yet to win a game. Drawn three games though, haven't they? So you'd think, you know, they seem reasonably solid, just maybe not quite getting over the line. Do you think they're relegation contenders this year? Um I think I think they'll just be saved by the fact there's worst teams in the league. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, Bielefeld look more. No, they do look more of a threat this season going forward. Um, they survived last year by the skin of their teeth. But again, on you know, on a string tight budget, um, you know, no superstar names. Uh, yeah. You know, captain fantastic Fabian Close is usually the man for the goals. They've signed well uh, during the summer, so it's obviously their first defeat in four. You can look at it that way as well. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, they'll they'll obviously want to bounce back, but it's no disgrace losing away to Gladbach. Um, moving on, um, we've got a very entertaining one-one draw between Frankfurt and Stuttgart. I watched this live um, on the day Sunday. Uh, my boy Stuttgart getting a, a last-minute equaliser after going down <laughs> to ten men. Um, Frankfurt again denied um, that that kind of crucial win that they've been looking for, but the key man. Came on as a sub, super sub, Kostic, after uh, kind of throwing a bit of a paddy last weekend because he wanted a transfer, basically. Um, so, uh, who's going to be happy with that with that point, Smith? I thought Frankfurt were unlucky, to be honest. I think Stuttgart probably happy happier than Frankfurt. I think they had plenty of chances to put the game to bed. Um, you know, we could be sitting there talking about a 2-3-0 win. Um, and, yeah, I thought they were unlucky, really, that they should have had that game done and dusted um, before obviously quite a late equaliser so yeah I think Stuttgart on the face would definitely be a lot happier than Frankfurt there yeah very much so obviously the the shot at the end of the game uh, Bore hitting the hitting the crossbar was uh, yeah a bit of fortune where when Muller kind of hits him it still stays out mm. um, Stuttgart still kind of struggling with injuries very impressed by the debutante Marmouche um, who they signed from Wolfsburg. He did a brilliant job, actually, with limited service and got his goal, uh, which always hard work deserved. So a good point for, for Stuttgart. Um, Frankfurt still, they'll be desperate for that win soon, especially because all their draws and drop points have been against what you'd call lower you know, lower teams in the league and harder games will come. So, uh, yeah, work to do for Oliver Glasner, for sure. 
Um, moving on to Hoffenheim, zero, Mines two. Mines high flying at the moment. Keep on picking up these wins. Under Boz Svensson, that's now three wins uh, from four in the top four right now. They're obviously living on a high. Um, I was expecting more from Hoffenheim, to be frankly honest, from that one, Smith. Um, what do you reckon to this? Hoffenheim does not turn up or Mines too good? Yeah, to be honest, Hoffenheim didn't really create much by by the looks of it. I thought they were they were pretty poor. Um, a couple of good finishes from Mainz, though. I think first one was a bit of a gift. They gave the ball away pretty easily in midfield and seemed to be able to, you know, it was sort of three on three. I think. Um, but yeah, a couple of decent finishes and again another quite comical incident. I think it was second half when uh, there was a player down injured and. Um, the player on the ball goes to turn around and kick it out to play, uh, kick it out of play, and uh, he booted it straight at the opposition bench. And uh, I think seven or eight of them got up and started running on the pitch, which <laughs> which was a which was a good watch. But um, yeah, interesting game, you know, solid win for Mainz, but yeah, pretty disappointing from Hoffenheim, I think. Yeah, for all their good play at the moment, the points aren't actually coming on the ball for Hoffenheim. Say similarish to last season, but they've certainly been more encouraging. Uh, Mines, who knows how far they can go this season. They've been superb, playing some great football. Um, Burkhardt, under-21 Germany captain, looks like a bit of a player. Um, very smart finish, like you said, for the first goal um, and a good counter to finish off the game, 2-0. Um, moving on um, to table toppers. Wolfsburg, very um, routine win, shall we say, over struggling for it. Um, you know, they, they struggled throughout the game. They held on for most of you know, most of it. And they had a couple of chances at the end. Like, I think it was uh, the substitute, Abiyama, who had an overhead kick in like the yeah. minute, uh, which is obviously a brilliant save by Castiles because, you know, if you don't stay sharp during the game, um, then obviously you can drop points like that. And then they broke late on and Valt Veghorst um, was able to do the damage at the end. Um, what, what do you reckon to Wolfsburg, Smith? Are they going to actually mount a genuine title challenge this year? I'd hope so. I think they're. Um, if I was to choose a team to follow, it'd be Wolfsburg. Uh, for myself, always. I don't know. I've always seemed to gravitate towards Wolfsburg in the in the Bundesliga. Um, but now again, you know they're they're impressive. Obviously, I think you know probably expected to win that game. Home side create a few chances, but just weren't really clinical enough. Um, be a main man, probably my favourite player in the Bundesliga, Weghorst, puts away uh, puts away the penalty at the end. Um, but yeah, quite a quite a sloppy challenge to give it away, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, there you go. No, hopefully, hopefully if they can sustain, I think it's just about sustaining it. We've seen people try to challenge Bayern before and can maybe only do it for half a season or three quarters of the way and fall away. Um, so yeah, really strong start. Let's hope they can be there at the end. Very much agreed. And the last game of the weekend uh, was a stalemate. Nil-nil between Union and Augsburg. Uh, I think it's fair to say that Augsburg would be most pleased with that point, Smith. Yeah. To be honest, looking at it, it, it wasn't that bad a game. There was a ridiculous mm -hmm. amount of shots. I think there was 30, 35 shots in the game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was quite surprised it actually was nil-nil um, after watching the highlights. But... Um, yeah, both keepers very busy. Some really, really good saves. Yeah. Um, I think Union hit the woodwork three, maybe four times. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, it's pretty unlucky, you know, not to actually you know, get a goal and, and get the win. But yeah, actually, quite an entertaining game for a uh, for a nil-nil. Which um, 
yeah, to be honest, looking at the scores, you don't see many nil-nils in the Bundesliga. So, um, very, very rarely there yeah. is a boring nil-nil in the Bundesliga anyway. But yeah, exactly. um, Union, yeah, unlucky Augsburg will be thankful to, to get themselves another precious point um, as they see Furt go below them in the table now. Um, so they're in 17th, but still ultimately struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, so that is pretty much a nice roundup of everything. Uh, obviously, we're taking a little bit more time as we've had such a brilliant time with chatting to John this evening. Um, very quickly, we'll just summarize um, or go through the hero and zero of the week. Um, based on the face of it and based on the importance of the performance and the win, uh, hero of the week goes to Sert Serdar of Hertha Berlin. Um, bags himself a brace uh, in obviously their first win and first points of the season. Um, could be a crucial player for her to this season. So, Serdar, well earned um, here of the week. And then the zero, we've already spoken about him Florian Kynes of Etikon. Uh, his team, 1 0 up, um, not cruising in the game, of course. They were struggling still, but getting sent off in that fashion. You know, ruins that um, team dynamic, ruins the start of the season that he'd been having because he'd been brilliant. I just put him in my fantasy team, which is going to happen. So that's not going to help me in our over the bar fantasy league. Um, so, yeah, Florian Kind's zero of the week. Um, so that is everything for this week. Uh, so just as per usual, if you haven't checked out Over the Bar already, uh, here's our Twitter at the bottom, at Over the Bar FB. Make sure to check out the website as well. That's where all the main uh, articles are released. So www.otbfootball.net. I've just done one on the Bundesliga top 10 transfers to watch out for this season. Uh, so go check that out as well. Um, and of course, watch out for the YouTube channel, which if you're watching, then you're in the right place. Um, and of course, don't forget to hit subscribe. Uh, obviously, we've got shows coming out uh, twice a week with the Bundesliga show, uh, regularly on Thursday with Runa for the fantasy tips. And of course, match week reviews every Monday uh, with as many guests as we can get, like the brilliant John. Um, so that's it for this evening. Smithy, thank you very much for your assistance uh, coming in uh, to help in Mark's absence. Um, I'm sure we'll see you again later on in the season. I'm sure you will. Pleasure. Enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. And we'll see you on Thursday. Cheers.